if the U.S. government, the media, the legal system, and the church can't keep democracy alive. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Lori Lattimore Volkman, and I am here with Brad Rayleigh for another episode of State Sale. Today we are talking about another myth, and we're going to bust this one wide open. This is my favorite one so far, talking about whether Donald Trump is good for evangelicals, good for Christianity. Oh, and by the way, you already know the answer. All right, so I'm going to throw a twist in here because we've been p pushing these as myths, and I'm going to suggest actually that this one is actually true, but not in a way that's going to make my evangelical friends happy. I'm going to say that Trump is actually good for them because the evangelicals actually believe in power and ownership of America. Right. And it, and he gives them that. Right. So he's not he's not giving them anything that you and I were raised with in terms of moral clarity or religious or spiritual kind of anything, because that's not I'm afraid to say that's not what they care about. And I was trying to find the the polling. I think it's on a podcast that um, I, I it may have been straight white American Jesus. That I heard this, but um it was talking about the polling about abortion because that's, you know, that's been the easy button, the big red button that you, you know, Republicans can push and it still functions that way. But what was interesting is that in the polling about how evangelicals prioritize what they care about, abortion is rarely at the top. Right. So they're actually, it becomes an excuse. I think it's Samuel Perry, who's a sociologist at the university of Oklahoma said it's an identity. This is why when yeah. I press my my pro-life friends, my so-called pro-life friends, only uh, only the ones who vote Democrat are willing to actually talk about reducing abortion. The others just like double down on the fact that being pro-life, being pro-life, that's and it's an identity. It's a marker that they wear on their chest that says I'm yeah. pro-life. It has no connection to policy. It has actually no connection to children or to the lives of women. None. I am so convinced of that now. Yeah. So this is that magic red pill. They act, they they take it. It's not actually I I meant to say button, but it actually is a pill. They just they have taken that identity. That's their identity. They're afraid to death of, of being seen as somebody who is uh, pro-choice. But when it comes right down to it, they don't care that much about it. They just talk about it as a way to cover the fact that they are anti-immigrant. They want Christians to be at the center of the public square and to be owners of America. This is the Christian nation bullshit that I've been fighting um, my entire <laughs> adult life. Um, and so they they are mad that we have all these immigrants coming in. They don't seem to recognize how many of those happen to be Christian and share many of their values. Uh, for all these fuckers wanting to build a wall, most of those uh, Hispanics coming across the border, whether legally or um, either documented or undocumented, are family-oriented. They tend to be Christian. They tend to be actually having a lot of the same kind of core values that we were told evangelicals care about, but they're anti-immigrant. They're mad that white people are losing their space in, in the public square, that we're no longer a dominant white Christian uh, nation, uh, and they want that back, and Trump gives them that. This is about power. And so this, I think, is the best explanation as to why they are able to look at this horrible, festering pile of shit that they elected. How was that? That was great. 
yeah. Um, they, they're able to look at that and go, oh, oh, I think God wanted that because it's not about piety. It's not about anything biblical. It's not about anything spiritual. It's just about power. It's just about status. Um, and ultimately about racism. And we're going to have another podcast where we talk specifically about white supremacy in the church. But I think that is really in the backdrop. So Absolutely. this is one of those myths. I think, you know, Trump, I mean, it's, it's his, oh, I, I can feel the, the rage building, but I'm thinking about his, you know, one of his recent things where he was talking about, we moved the capital of Israel to Jerusalem, which of course is not true. It's always, you know, but, yeah. but it was about moving the embassy, but, but he said, and he just says explicitly, I did that for the evangelicals. The evangelicals love that, you know, those are the Zionist, um, anti-Semite, uh, evangelicals, oddly enough. The best example of that pandering, of course, was that that fucking Bible demonstration in front of Lafayette Square, where he cleared with with tear gas. Um, you know, he, he did that because it, he thinks and I think he's correct that these evangelicals, Franklin Graham, will order the the shards of glass uh, mixed with shit every time. Right. And he'll do so. uh claiming that he's doing so for religious reasons. He was he was tweeting this morning about how the Democratic uh, convention had excluded God. And I was like, did you watch any of that? Joe Biden talks about his faith. Kamala Harris talks about her faith. You are right. He is, the myth isn't that he's good for evangelicals because that is true. He is good for evangelicals. He is not good for Christianity though. And right. the fact that they can't make that distinction and understanding is innately frustrating for people like you and I who grew up believers. And it's like, how can you do that? I understand why Franklin Graham does it because right. he's in the power circle, right? Right. I understand why Al Mohler does it. And I even kind of understand why some of these, you know, these African-American pastors will go ahead and join the prayer circle, you know, even though he's not just anti-Christian, he's, you know, racist as hell. So, but they're in the, they're in the White House. They're in, they're, they are in that inner circle and they're, they are being given something. I think most Christians, if you really drill down, abortion isn't the top of their list, but it's on there probably because they've been told it should be. Identity. Right. And for most of them, it's not even something they're, they're probably dealing with generally <laughs> until right. their teenage daughter gets pregnant. Right. Who, but Trump gives them... Nothing. He get, he gives Christians nothing to hold on to. You know, like they can't hold him up as an example. Right. And so he's terrible for Christianity as a witness and as yes. a as a as an example of how we are supposedly a Christian nation, yet we are doing things that are you know we're doing things to immigrants and to people of yeah. color and to and to the earth that are right. anti-biblical. There's nothing yeah. you can justify it with. In terms of that identity, um, there was a, there was a, so Beth Moore, you know, mm -hmm. I've been defending her recently and then boy, she really stepped in it the other day. As far as I was concerned, there was some pastor who posted some tweet along the lines of that, whatever happens in this election, things are going to go badly. Christians need to be prepared for that. And I'm like, okay, that's actually not terrible. But then he lists the things that are possible in terms of bad. If Trump wins, he thinks the left will burn down the country. <laughs> because that's what they do. And if uh, Biden wins, you're going to see the removal of religious um, uh, liberties and um, everything else. And I'm like, why is it that when you're listing this, there's no 
there's no possible bad side coming from your side. Never. Right. And that's that identity that just as for them, abortion is that I'm going to call it, you know, the merit badge or the sash that they got in scouts that shows I'm, I'm pious and I'm, I'm, I'm religious for many of these people being Republican and they won't admit this. I mean, if you press them, do you think only Republicans or only uh, Republicans can be Christian? They probably won't say that right. um, because they've been taught not to, but that's what they believe. And that's what this tweet said. And Beth Moore chimes in and says something stupid about, well, all we can do is trust Jesus or something. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> fuck off. Because I mean, I, that, that you just, you just listed, you just listed, and you didn't talk about proud boys. You didn't talk about the rise of white supremacy, anti-Semitic violence. Uh, the fact that uh, black trans women are being murdered at an astonishing rate. You don't talk about any of that. You talk about some uh, mischaracterization of protesters in Portland as if they were, uh, you know, actually burning stuff down instead of actually protesting police violence. Uh, you talk about that. You've taken that kind of talking point, And then you essentially just assume that because Biden is a Democrat, not a lifelong Catholic, by the way, right? Who, you know, a, a, a goes to mass all the time that he is going to step in and curtail uh, religious liberties. And, and to be fair for them, religious liberty is the right to be an asshole and to be anti-gay and to be homophobic and to be racist. That's what their religious. Right. Is. I was going to say, I mean, the, there is no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden would do any of those things. And that, you know, there's plenty of evidence that he wouldn't, you know, because he is right. legitimately religious and faithful and he was in the white house so did did we suddenly lose all kinds of religious liberties when he and obama were in the white house of course not but they think they did they they actually think i mean this is the thing and i heard this from people who should know better but i heard this from people that that the reason that they voted for trump in 2016 is that they were tired of being uh persecuted mistreated persecuted yeah mistreated persecuted all this kind of stuff and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about? You have you have more than your representation in Congress, in the Senate, in on the Supreme Court, more than you deserve in terms of representation of actual beliefs in America. I'm not I'm not saying their views aren't uh, don't deserve some representation, but they're overrepresented. But they position themselves as victims in a way that just and yet at the same time, of course, they decry victimization. Oh, the victim culture of the left and the, you know, every, I mean, it's, yeah. And not to mention the fact that what our constitution says that they supposedly like to throw out that they believe in the separation of church and state, what they're actually advocating is not the separation. It's to have a theocracy. I mean, <laughs> as long as it's Christian, <laughs> as long as it's white evangelicals. There's a great article and I know you saw it, that was in the New York Times a few weeks ago, called Christians Will Have Power. And it was, a, it was his mm. quote. And it came from basically Trump in a pulpit at a church when, after he'd gotten the nomination for the Republican Party in 2015. The family that is highlighted a lot and interviewed in this article, it's so revealing. It's, this is a, by all other accounts, you know, when you when you sort of read the background or whatever, it's a, a hardworking Midwestern farm family that they interview a lot about their views on Trump and of putting up with all of Trump's indiscretions because otherwise their faith will be erased somehow. Right. And as they start talking, it's so interesting. Like I said, it's so revealing. 
it's almost coming from this very innocent and ignorant place of, you know, I've been told I'm going to lose this power, but as they keep talking, it is very much a fear of using, of losing white power, not just losing Christian power. So it's why, I mean, it, it all plays into it. It's so racist at its, at its core fueled by power and not anything about actual faith and spirituality. That's why it is so insanely frustrating to listen to that message and watch Trump just manipulate them over and over again. Like we know what Trump's doing. We understand he has no, no soul and this is only a political ploy and a, a manipulation for power. But the fact that so many, 16 million Christians cannot see that, it does boggle my mind. Like I, I get it at one level, but the other level I'm like, Many of you aren't stupid, so how are you letting yourselves be this manipulated? <laughs> I like the many. Yeah, that, some uh, of you really are. So, you some know. of you really are. One of the things I wanted to point out, because I think you made the point to me during a, a Facebook chat, this has been a couple of years, we were talking about our experience in the church you know, we grew up in, and you pointed out that we really weren't in the culture war. We were in a, it, it was a conservative church. It was not over the top, and it certainly wasn't. There was no cultural war. I don't remember any Sunday school discussions about abortion or homosexuality or anything like that. Conservative, yes. Uh, Bible-believing in whatever form right. that is, yes. Built on white supremacy, yes, and we'll talk about that next week. But <laughs> not in a conscious or devout way. I mean, that, right. that's what I'm trying to say. But in, in ex-evangelical uh, uh, worlds or circles, which is a hashtag on, on Twitter, you can look it up. Um, it's actually really interesting. People who grew up ex uh, evangelical who have left that behind, many of them really suffering from what they see as spiritual abuse, uh, emotional abuse coming out of that. One of the things they talk about, which you and I luckily were spared, I believe, um, is that they were inundated with this idea that Christians were going to be rounded up and put into camps and possibly even killed. When Gary Poe, Dr. Gary Poe and I had our conversation about the early church, he talked about, of course, that, you know, up until the fourth century or so, Christians actually, when they professed uh, a, a, a devotion to Christ and to the Christian way, they at the same time prepared for their own martyrdom because it was very likely they would be killed for, for making that choice. Once they was Constantine, uh, you know, then, then Christians became part of the power circle. But that idea of martyrdom and that idea of being persecuted, and of course, as he said, there are places in the world right now where Christians are actually killed for being Christians. That's not true here. Yeah. And I pointed out on Twitter to Franklin Graham's idiot followers that it, when they complain about persecution, I'll say, yeah, there's persecution of Christians, but here you're the persecutor. You're the ones doing it. And you're doing so at the same time that you're complaining about this. But there is this culture really, I think, embedded kind of idea for many of these evangelicals who have gone to, who have been part of the purity culture, who have been part of, of so much of that um, really toxic Christianity, absolutely awful. They have been inundated with that message that Christians are hated because, not because they're assholes, but because they're Christians and that they're going to be rounded up and put into camps. And so Trump doesn't have to actually go, I mean, he of course, lacks any kind of subtlety so he'll come out and say things that are just you know real stupid and he'll say if joe biden is elected he's gonna hurt the bible he's gonna hurt god you know um you know because he's an idiot but but that is a little bit of a dog whistle to those evangelicals who grew up in that very very fundamentalist worldview uh where they honestly believe that 
Don't forget, he, he'll hurt guns too, God and guns. <laughs> right, because I mean, that that's the irony here is all these pro-lifers who love their guns, you know, the same people who say, um, well, I don't need to wear a mask because God will protect me somehow need to have a, a Glock, you know, yeah, right. somehow God can protect them from a virus, but not from a burglar. I don't get it. I mean, it's a pretty inept God, but you know, <laughs> you do you. My feelings about this, of course, are, are quite clear, but I, I feel like saying to these Christians, if that's what you want to believe inside your own house, inside your own church, go for it. But in fact, in political circles, you're trying to make that the world view or the reality for all of us. And you are acting on things that are that actually make you a threat to our, not just my sanity, but my life. And that's, you know, that's where I start to get angry, but <laughs> that's just the start of it. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I got more. <laughs> right, right. Well, and this is why I also get frustrated with so many Christians, the the ones that uh, Ron Sider would call the um, the evangelical yeah. center. Yeah. That I really think it's incumbent upon them to speak up because they are actually the only ones who are really going to influence, have any influence right. over their far more conservative Christians right. in the in the pews. I mean, they may not have any with some of them, but they will have some clout with a number of them. Like my family, they have people who are good friends, you know, even some family members. They just fall into that crowd that we're talking about yeah. almost more out of a really caring or even maybe fear of stepping outside of what they know as being comfortable and still supporting just a man they they can't stand as a personality and as a person, but are so afraid of the consequences that they've been told are gonna happen. So they're, they're not gonna listen to you and I because right. we're part of that radicalized far left, right? right. But they yeah. may listen to the fellow Christian in the pew who's like, dude, <laughs> This yeah. is that's not going to happen, right? You know. Like, yeah. So, so that you know, you saw this post. That the, the the analog here, I think, is is QAnon, uh, which of course has grown in popularity among the Christian Church too. But um, you saw there was that representative from Illinois uh, GOP who came out the other day and said, "We got to, we got to, we got to reject this, or else it's going to be the destruction of the party." And now right. we wait to see what happens to him. Yeah. But you're right because. Um, so one of my friends, I said, I posted something. I was really angry on Facebook and I said something about, I can hardly wait for some evangelical to invite me to their church, um, you know, um, and um, cause it's not going to go well. And so he did <laughs> kind of facetiously, uh, right. but, but he did. And, and I, and I realized later, I'm sure he was genuine in saying that I'm welcome to come into that church. I'm sure that's absolutely completely without artifice. I, I, I accept that. But I also know if I actually speak my mind, if I ask the questions I've been asking for the last 30 years, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be welcome there very, very long. I am right. not. I mean, there's going to be a point where the Sunday school teacher is going to take me aside and say, um, you're being disruptive or something. <laughs> or who knows? I you know, you'd I be lucky tased. if that's all you got. <laughs> yeah, I might get tased or shot. Um, so anyway, to your point, I think it's exactly right. This is where I think the progressive Christian uh, voice doesn't really have a lot of sway there, but there are these, uh, well, I assume, I assume Ron Sider is correct about this, this evangelical center, these people who are actually more reasonable, who can be uh, swayed that they might have some, they can maybe call out some of this stupidity and some of this, but you know, I, 
my my former therapist said the 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 past is the best predictor of future behavior and people can change but they have to really work at it and i have to say you know i have seen very little soul searching from conservative church people about things they've done in the past defending torture role of, of racism in the southern baptist church i mean there's very little soul searching very little kind of introspection and so Without that ability to say, hey, what did what mistakes did I make? Where where have I gone wrong? What have I, you know, what how have I contributed to things that are 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 bad? You don't have change. Um, right. and so I'm 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 hoping Ron Sider, I'm with I thought he was delightful and I and I I think he's a, a very genuine human. Um I don't have as much faith in that circle of Christians that he does, but I don't either, partly because it's just not in their nature to to speak out. I mean, part of the reason they are what they are is they're very faithful people. They've they've been, you know, and, and I'm saying they being the evangelical center. So that covers a very broad group of Christians, right? Right. But like for most faithful people, spiritual people, speaking out and being activists in politics hasn't been their thing. I mean, like if they're right. in that circle in other ways they do but from a religious perspective no it's always it's been this fundamentalist christian group that has you know become a political power group right and so you i think for most of us it's you just feel like you know like we want franklin graham to shut up but we're not really willing to stand up and argue with him right, right. you know and i'm saying we being like this evangelical center like they need a very vocal leader who wants to go toe to toe with those guys and essentially ask him and debate him the same things you and I are, are trying to ask our right. conservative Christian friends too. Until you have a, a leader within this movement to be vocal nationally for the church, you know, for this, for yeah. this more center, moderate Christian group to stand up and speak and say, they don't speak for all Christians, you know, yeah. Graham and Moeller, they're talking about power. We're talking about spirituality and faith in God. And that means we take care of the earth. We take care of the poor. We take care of the sick. Right. And so we we need to look at a broad range of issues when we're voting. And if we want to go back to our Christian and our spiritual roots, we need to look at what God and the Bible say about everything, not about this one single issue that they have politicized and weaponized that really isn't part of the message of Jesus Christ. I would love to be that right. person, but so far the church has not ordained me to be that right. um, Well, that spokesperson. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add uh, two other components to that real quick. Um, one of them is, I think the, the dilemma of, I'm gonna call this a survivor complex, the TV show, yeah. um, <laughs> is that, which I've never watched by the way. It's just, I know that people get voted off the island. And one of the things I observed in Southern Baptist circles when I was still in my blogging world and meeting up with Southern Baptists through that that world is that if you started to address like torture in that context, you became suspicious in that circle. And I had a Southern Baptist friend who's no longer Southern Baptist. He was a minister, a pastor. Um, and he was one of the first ones to actually say to me, Brad, you're right. Torture is unchristian. And he was questioned immediately about his bona fides as a Baptist because he had he had taken that stance on torture because they had decided that torture was a liberal idea. So they politicized something. So he became a persona non grata in that kind of setting. And, you know, it wasn't just in this small blog world. 
the former head of the National um, Association of Evangelicals came out and actually said that climate change was a was a moral issue, and he lost his job. So part of the problem there's there's so there's that problem of that those ideas, those ideas of even politicizing, taking care of the poor, take, uh, making sure that, that, that women who are pregnant have good health care. Um, that's a political issue. Talk right. about climate change is a political issue and, and it's a liberal issue. And so if you start to, to, to say that most of these people, including friends of mine, are going to say, well, that's just a liberal thing. And I'll give you a, a, a specific example. I raised the question in terms of race with this this friend about voter suppression that we just talked about. And he said, that's a political issue. I don't think we should be talking about that in church. I'm like, nope, that's not a political issue. That's a violation of their rights. That's not, I mean, political issues are deciding uh, tax rates. Political uh, issues right. are deciding how to allocate resources. Um, political issues are not whether someone should live or die, for example, uh, you know, in terms of, of if you're gay or lesbian or, or trans. That's not a political issue. That's a life issue. That's not something. And likewise, with the access to the vote, that's not. But they have decided that that voter suppression, that's a that's a political issue. They don't want to address that. And then so add one other component here just real quickly is the idea of having heard directly from God. I mean, that evangelical world, they believe that through reading the Bible and prayer and their quiet times and all that stuff that we were inundated with even in that really uh, non-culture war kind of upbringing they are are taught and trained that in that context they are going to hear god's word they are going to be led uh, we've all heard these words i mean led by the spirit or led by god to actually make these decisions they and what that means and i am so convinced of this it means that they are incapable of questioning those decisions because to question those decisions is to question god Yes. And so their ability to question why they voted for Trump in 2016, it's impossible to do because to do so would mean that they would have to actually say, well, either God was wrong or I didn't hear him right. And if I'm not hearing him right, then what else am I getting wrong? Right. And so the fear of that kind of unmooring, I'm going to suggest, means that the vast majority of these people are not going to actually look at this at all. That's my guess. Yeah. And and those people who are maybe not even as truly genuine in this idea of of seeking God's help and just making a decision about who they're voting for or, or you know, to the point where like they they don't want to question their vote because they feel like they'd be questioning God. Right. For those who are not that even that serious, it's more like it's just a it's just a really easy scapegoat to say you know, well, God, God led me to do that. Like, I don't know. I can put it off on God. (laughs) I don't have to have any moral obligation to my decision right here. Yep. I think you're right. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this.